be reading from Ephesians 5, 8-13. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have them. It is shameful to even mention what what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed to the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Morning. Ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. And just uh, just for the record, where is Chris Halbach at? He's here. Chris, uh, Chris was speaking to me specifically, I'm pretty sure there. Um, talking about selfishness, that's always hard, and I appreciate the, what, the, the courage to be able to share some of that, because that's where, that is our, if we're not careful, we will spring right back to being selfish. Yeah, that's, that's what Chris is talking about. Chris, I'm just sharing with everybody that you're talking about me, and so that's, a, you know, that's all right, that comes down sometimes. The truth hurts and you know, cleans me out a little bit, just coming face to face with my own selfishness at times. But there's times where we, uh, we wrestle, don't we? Uh, we wrestle with expectations that we have about ourselves, and when those aren't met, it's hard on us. Um, I think about a couple times I had things that just did not work out the way I, I wanted them to. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. That was my goal. That was my dream. And as things came along, I realized that that dream was never going to come to fruition. I wasn't going to do that. And God had other plans for me, and it's, I wouldn't change it for the world. But there was a time in my life that I wrestled with that is why is this not going to happen? Uh, it just seemed like I'm, I'm trying to, to, to walk uphill towards this. There, the doors aren't opening. Or there was, um, there was a time where I, I wanted to play um, basketball and was, was really excited about it, put a lot of effort into it, and it just never worked out the way I planned. And so when I had in my own head that I was going to, to be such and such, or I was going to do such and such, or I was going to play basketball, and this is what it was going to look like. And when, that, when, that didn't, when I found out that that wasn't reality, I had to wrestle with that. Those expectations of having to, to reassess who I am and, and what I'm all about. Can you relate to that, those stories? You've had times in your life where you think, man, there was something I was going to be or something I was going to do, and it just, all of a sudden, this great wake-up call that was... We had to uh, face-to-face with this was not the case. Okay, I'm not sure what these are up here for, but you want to hang on to these for a minute, Gary? Okay, Gary's going to hang on to these for a minute. If I go too long, there's a hook on this. You can get it right on here, and you can pull me off the side, okay? That's what's going to happen. Okay, so go ahead and and look at at, uh, chapter 11 here of Luke, because what we're going to find out is there's some people that have dedicated their lives to following God. They have, in many ways, uh, would, would put all of us to shame with the effort and, and the zeal that they have put into following God. They have given it everything they've got. I think when we look at Scripture, we see this. And they're going to come face to face with Jesus, telling them that what you think you are in God's sight is very different in reality. And it's going to be tough on them. And so there's, as I, as I look through this passage this week, there's, I really loved last week, talking about prayer and Jesus talking, t- teaching his disciples how to pray. I love talking about grace and mercy and all that sort of things. And I think you see with God, when he reveals himself, and I'll just share it just for time here. In Exodus 34, he shares 
Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And he just talks about the blessings he brings. And he says, I show kindness to thousands and, and punishment to few. And so I understand from that is that God's natural place where he likes to be is he likes to talk about blessings, he likes to share love and mercy and grace and all that. There comes a time when judgment comes, and he doesn't like that. That's not where he wants to live, but that's where he has to land sometimes when there's blatant disobedience. And so as we go in today, keep that in mind, because what's going to happen is Jesus is going to share some things that I believe he would much rather be talking about something else. But he's going to share some things that are very, very important for spiritual development for, for the people there and also for us as we get, get into it today. There is a, a difference between light and darkness, and this, the sermons that I preach are posted within a few minutes afterwards online. And so I thought about what, what is something, a title that is catchy, that people uh, who, are, who are listening can, will see it and think, ha, huh, I'm going to listen to that. And so light versus darkness... Now, that may not catch somebody's attention. But what about this? Uh, spiritual fruit versus religious nuts. Okay? There's a difference. There is a difference between being people who demonstrate spiritual fruit and we can become religious nuts at times. Okay? With that, let's start into Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. And so what Luke does, usually when there is a miracle, you fall, he follows the miracle, and he follows the healing, he follows all that happens with it. This time, Luke doesn't follow the story of the miracle at all. It says that Jesus does this miracle, but this miracle provides a setup for him to have a discussion that has been a long time in coming. Jesus drives out this demon, but look at what the response is. The response is, some of them say, whoa, that's amazing, that's great, cool stuff. Okay, amazement, some are saying, wait a minute here, he is driving out these demons because he's evil, because Beelzebub, or uh, he's going to share here in a minute, that term is just another term for Satan. They credit Satan and say, wait a minute, Jesus is doing all this good stuff. All these demons are driving out because this is a trick. This is a work of Satan. That's what it is. Or some are there saying, hmm, Jesus, can you show us a sign? We just did. Show us another sign. Do, us another, do another trick for us. You know, just like a seal who sits there and claps or balances the ball on the nose. How many of you have dogs that do tricks? Okay, a few of us. Yeah, my dog doesn't do any tricks. None. It, well, except shed all over the house. And, you know, that's a pretty amazing trick. She's very good at that. But you wonder what dogs think sometimes. Is, here, do this little trick for a treat. And Jesus is probably feeling the same thing. No, I'm not going to do a trick for you. Tricks are done. Okay, I showed you something here. But all three of these things right here are the responses of the Jews as they're sitting there watching. Amazement, hmm, that's cool, Jesus, I wonder what this is all about. Or, I mean, Satan is, is in charge of this. Or, maybe, maybe I would believe if Jesus just did one more sign. I want to see this just to make sure this is true. I want to make sure what this is all about. Okay, so Jesus responds, and he spends some time, and I'm going to walk through it section by section as he's going to respond to this. Verse 17 it says that Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, 
Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? If so, they will be your judges. If, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus says here, any kingdom divided itself against itself cannot survive. Okay, If we are having a civil war, if Satan is having a civil war, then that kingdom is never going to survive. Okay, So that can't be real. Just as a side note, in our own history, there's a very famous person said, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln at the Gettysburg Address, right after the Gettysburg Battle happened, he went and he shared this. This is where it comes from. He was very influenced by Scripture that a nation divided against itself will not stand. And, and interestingly enough, in a lot of the literature and speeches up to that point in time, the term that was used is we are a union, and Lincoln changed it with that speech and started talking more about nation. Because there's difference. There's something different about a union than a nation, isn't there? And so he's shared... A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. This comes directly from Jesus' mouth here. You can't, you can't give credit to Satan for what I'm doing because this we would be in civil war, and that's not what's happening here. But what's happening is I am driving evil out, and if evil is being driven out, then that means one thing, that the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God has come. And that's what I'm bringing in, something great, something different. And he continues on from there in verse, 22, verse 21. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor which the man trusted and divides his plunder. Okay, so Jesus' teaching here is, I am stronger than Satan and I've come to claim victory. That's the idea. As Jesus is the stronger man that comes in, that is, takes captive of, of Satan and claims victory here. And so the people are listening. They've got to be... The ears perking up, thinking, okay, what is this about? Wait a minute, Jesus is saying he's stronger than, than who we accused him of, by whose power he's, he's driving out all these demons. Jesus is saying he's stronger than all that, and he's come, and he is claiming victory. And furthermore, if you look at verse 23, it says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So, I saw here... A, on the news here a while back. There's some movie that's come out that's broken all sorts of box office records and all that. Anybody know what movie that is? Yeah. How many of you have seen it? Okay. Yeah. That's right. There's, there's a, one of the, the latest Avengers movie is, is hot stuff right now. And I guess there's in different places in the world, here in the U.S., one happened in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, where someone comes out of the movie theater and starts telling everybody in line what happens. And they got beat up. It didn't, did not go well. Okay. But I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here for something spiritual. Ready? Jesus wins, and Satan loses in the end. That's it. That's the spoiler alert. That's what God has promised us. That's what he's given. And when I, I showed this to Luke this morning, and he looked in my Bible to see if this came out of my Bible, if I took this picture, I didn't. I found this, this online. But that's it. That's the spoiler alert, alert that Jesus gives him here. Satan loses in the end. So you have a choice, is that you either join my kingdom and you get on board, or you're going to be scattered. If you want to be on the right side of the spiritual kingdom, you want to be on the right side of history, then you jump on with me. Not those religious leaders, not where anybody else is out. You jump on with me and, uh, and, and hang on for the ride. 
He continues on in verse 24, and he says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Okay, so think about this. Jesus is saying, eliminate evil and replace it with good. If you've ever had to give up a bad habit, you can't just eliminate it. You have to replace it with something else, right? That's what happens. And so, if, if I uh, just try to eliminate evil and uh, I don't replace it with anything else, uh, what happens is I just find myself in the same situation again much, much worse later on, right? Okay. VBS is coming up. Right? Where's Connie at? VBS is coming up in June. I was Captain VBS last year, and I tell you, I've never had something that that uh, was uh, more dangerous for my ego than being Captain VBS, probably. Because throughout the summer, going to the community market or something, I would have kids see me walking by and say, "That's Captain VBS. He can do stuff. He can do more." Like, no, no, that's not me. I'm just Chris. All right, I'm just Chris. These little kids, you know, it's kind of funny, but. So if I stay up here and I say, don't think about Captain VBS, don't think about Captain VBS, think about anything you want to, but just don't think about Captain VBS. Don't think, don't think about Captain VBS. Think about something else, not Captain VBS. What's your mind going to go to? Captain VBS. That's what happens. And so when, as Jesus is sharing right here, is with these religious, with, with the people that you followed, with the, the religious culture that you're in right now, what happens is removing yourself from it is, is not good enough. Because if you remove yourself from it, you do not reconnect with God. You don't connect with Jesus. Then what happens is you're going to be out there floating and you're probably going to end up worse yourself. And so the point here is you need to leave some of the ways that you're doing things and you need to jump on and you need to follow me. Jesus is calling people to choice right here. He continues on in verse 27 and he says... As Jesus was saying these things, a woman from the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Man, your family must be great. This is phenomenal. And Jesus replied, Blessed are they who hear the word of God and obey it. Following Jesus is more important than family connections. Jesus is drawing some line right here. He says, I don't care who your parents are. It doesn't matter who any, any of that is. Is What I care about is if you are willing to follow me. That's what's important. Verse 29, he continues on. It says, as the crowd increased, so there's more and more people are coming here, as, and they're listening to all this. As the crowd increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It acts for a, a sign, but none will be given it except the Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise in judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented of the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus uses two examples here. He talks about the Jonah, who Jonah was called to go and and preach the message of God to the people of Nineveh who were terribly evil. And Jonah didn't want to go. Nowhere in the book of Jonah does it say that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was afraid. He didn't want to go because he wanted them to burn. That's the deal. 
That's clear from, from the book of Jonah. And God says, go anyway, go anyway. And he encourages Jonah to go, forces Jonah a little bit to go. And Jonah shares the message of God with the people of Nineveh. He says, 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. There's no unless you repent in Jonah's message at all. 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. And they say, maybe if we repent, God will relent. And they did. And Jonah goes up on the hill, not a great spiritual example for us in some ways, and says, God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew it. I knew it. This is why I didn't want to come, because I knew you were full of grace and mercy, and you would not destroy them, and I wanted you to destroy them. Ugh! Drive me nuts. But those people repented. They weren't Israelites. They didn't know much about God, but they repented, and they changed their hearts. The Queen of the South, this is talking about a situation where Solomon was king, he was wise, and people came from all the, over the world to listen to what he had to say. And a queen from deep down in Africa made the journey all the way up to sit with Solomon and to learn from him and learn his wisdom. Learn about God. Someone that wasn't an Israelite, someone that was far away. And Jesus is saying here is that even in your own history, God has cared much more about repentance than your religious heritage. He cares much, much more about what type of repentance you demonstrate than, than what your spiritual heritage is. That's what God is most concerned about. He continues on in verse 33, and he pulls some of this section together here. He said, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it is hidden, or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Okay, so is giving a teaching here is that do your eyes take in light or darkness? And I did some fascinating this last week. That was, it's, kind of, it's interesting in, in understanding how Jesus phrases this. Because the people of Jesus' day understood that the light, the eyes were like a doorway to the body. And so whatever your eyes looked at, whatever was out there was going to come in. Uh, we tend to think of it in terms of something that we can see, as in we look around and we see what is out there. And, and whatever we see is projected from our own self, which scientifically is probably how they said it is, is a little more accurate. But the idea is, is, is that if I'm walking around and I have... Uh, um, if my eyes are only open to darkness or only taking in darkness, have you ever been in a dark spot where all the lights are turned off? Lewis and Clark Caverns where they turn the lights off. How many of you have experienced that? Yeah, kind of spooky. Yeah, kind of spooky there. Because I know that what I do when they turn off the lights in Lewis and Clark Cavern is I don't move. <laughs> I don't go anywhere because you can walk off someplace in a pretty scary situation. And so if our eyes are taking in what is darkness, of course, we're, we're not going to see what's really out there. We're going to be stumbling around and we're going to make really, really poor decisions. But Jesus' point here is that if your eyes are open to light, if your eyes are letting in light and your body is being filled up with light, then what's going to happen is you're going to be able to make the choice about who I am. This isn't going to be a discussion of, well, that's kind of cool, Jesus. That's kind of a neat miracle. Or maybe you're doing this because of Satan's power in you. Or, or maybe I would like to see just one more sign. Can you show me another, doing another trick like that? That sounds like a, like a pretty cool thing to do. But Jesus' point is here is that 
All of us have to make a decision. Are we going to follow Jesus or are we not? And I try to put myself in the, people's, in, in the place of the people who are listening right there. These people, like I mentioned, are people that were zealous beyond probably my imagination, gave so much in order to follow God. Jesus talks about they divided up their spices in order to tithe accurately in their own mind. They had a list of all these different things of what it meant to violate the Sabbath. They, they did all sorts of things with a purpose on some level in order to honor God. And Jesus tells them right here, the way that you've done spirituality, the way that you have pursued God is empty. And you've missed it completely. There's a few times in my life, and I shared some funny well, examples that, that didn't do, um, they were hard for me at the time. Chris, you're not going to be a fighter pilot. Chris, you're not going to play basketball like you want to. And it was disappointing. But what we do at those moments in time make all the difference in the world. Because I'm convinced that for all of us who want to grow spiritually, we come to a point in life where we realize that what we've been doing doesn't cut it anymore. We have to realize that. Confession here, I'm a recovering Pharisee. Okay, I grew up in a Christian context, and somewhere, not because my parents wanted that or because they really demonstrated it or anything like that, but there was part of me that I became very judgmental at time in my life. And I had to wrestle through that, and I had to back off of that, and I had people that helped me walk through it. But I can say that because I humbled myself and I learned to, to what that meant and to be able to walk past that. Think about this. Here's something I found this week that I, I found helpful for me, and hopefully it's helpful for you. Our, when we open our eyes, what are we seeing? Are we seeing the, the goodness, the light that's coming into us? Or are we seeing the darkness? Or our ears, what are we hearing? Look at that column there that talks about Satan's voice. Satan's voice obsesses about stuff, worries continually, condemns us and everybody else around us, provides constant discouragement, confuses the issues, whatever they may be, pushes, push, 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 frightens and rushes into poor decisions. Um, I know that voice, and I've heard that voice. Anybody else? You know what that looks like. But look on the other side here, God's voice is a voice that you see throughout Scripture, is a voice that calms, is a voice that comforts, is a voice that convicts. Now, when we look at that, if you see inconsistency between calms, comforts, and convicts, let's talk about that for a second. Because there's part of all of us that do not like to be convicted. Of, of what I might be doing in life or what I may see in life is incorrect. Okay. We got a choice whenever we're convicted. Is that, am I going to, um, let me say it differently. I saw a meme on Facebook, the great you know, wisdom of our generations, you know, Facebook. And the meme said, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Think about that. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And so sometimes when I'm convicted by God's message or convicted by the people around me, I, ha I can get defensive, I can get frustrated, I can put walls up, but none of that honors God. Because God's message and Jesus, how he uh, approaches us, is he brings calm, comfort, and convicting all at the same time. Now, it's my decision whether I get offended and, and put up walls. You know, that, that's not what Jesus wants of me. Jesus does not want the Jews that are listening to him today to put up these walls like they do. But he wants to encourage them. He wants to enlighten them. 
He wants to lead them. He wants to reassure them. He wants to still them. But the reason why they're so upset is they're unwilling to listen to what Jesus has to say. That's it. And unwilling to open themselves up for what Jesus may change in them. Pretty convicting stuff. Like I said at the beginning, I would love to talk about grace and mercy and some of these other things in prayer. It's a lot easier. I think Jesus would rather talk about this. But there comes a time in our lives, in every one of our lives, where we have to decide, am I going to follow what Jesus says? Am I going to open myself up for that? Or am I going to live in this comfort, spirituality, whatever it may be, to where I don't want anybody questioning anything that I am at all? And for Jesus, what's not important here is our family connections, our religious heritage, any of that. What's important for Jesus is having eyes and a heart that love light and allow that light into our lives day in, day out. Pretty convicting stuff. But I can tell you from experience as being a recovering Pharisee that it is absolutely freedom-inducing. Uh, there, um, there is, as we talk about oftentimes, sharing the abundant life of Jesus. Uh, that, is, uh, that involves myself being convicted, you being convicted in order to be more what God wants us to be. And that opens up those doors to freedom and the abundant life of Jesus. Now, we had, uh, on Friday night, we had a devotional for the middle schools and high schools at our house. And it was neat. It's just cool seeing this big horde of kids that is there that are playing volleyball, roasting hot dogs, roasting marshmallows, all that. And Russell and Allison Epperson and their family, minister from Lewistown, was in town. So I said, hey, Russell, why don't you talk to the kids? I think you could have something uh, great to share. New face, new voice, all that. Why don't you share something? And Russell just talked to the kids about how he's been uh, looking through a book lately that's been convicted convicting him called what do you love and basically the premise of the book is the things that we really love are ultimately what we become and if we really love nascar that takes that can take over our life okay i'm just throwing out that example that's an easy one for me because i don't watch nascar okay football whatever that can take over our lives but if we really really decide that i'm going to be one that loves the things of god then it changes who i am and it was neat to see all the kids that are there, and who knows how much they understand at this point, who knows how much we understand at any given point in time. But I think that that message is good, is that the things that we love, we become like those things. And what Jesus is really trying to get the religious leaders and, and, um, and the people, the Jews of his day, talking about is... Maybe the way that we do spirituality, maybe the way that I do spirituality sometimes is incomplete and I need times where I rethink how I do things. And by doing so, I really start embracing and living out the abundant love, life of Jesus. And that's what he wants them. He wants to free these people from the traditionalized bondage that they have put on themselves and everybody else. Great message, very convicting message, and something that, that all of us can, can wrestle through is the big question is, do I love Jesus more than anything else? Am I willing to do what he wants for me day in, day out? Now, there is, Jesus has more to say about this if you look forward in Luke. But next week is Mother's Day. We're not going to do that next week. We're going to talk about Mary and Martha next week, which is something I skipped over in Luke chapter 10. Um, and so, uh, mothers, you will, you're not going to hear about the, where Jesus really goes after the religious leaders next week. Okay, we're going to wait a couple weeks to go after, to talk about that. All right. But Mary and Martha... Is uh, which one is spiritual? The answer is both of them. It's just it matters the time, and uh, hopefully all of us will be encouraged by by their 
kind of funny example from Luke chapter 10 next week. So my hope and my prayer this week is uh, as you walk through your spiritual life is open yourselves up to the message of Jesus, whatever that may be, wherever it may take you, to be more than you are now. And by doing so, you will embrace the abundant life of Jesus. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head back, the elders in the back, and would love to pray with anybody and help carry your burdens, whatever they may be. Let's stand and sing together.